Hello, Katie. Hello, David. How are you? Great, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Can you hear me okay? I can. It sounded a little windy at first, but now I feel it was. Like... Okay. <laughs> I'm in are the you... car and I just turned the uh, the air conditioning fans down a bit. Nice. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. I can. How good to hear your voice. Thank you for making time for me. Thank you. I know this is your busy day being Sunday. So. It's a jam-packed, fun-filled day. Yeah. Are you tired of talking? Are you ready to talk more? No, I'm actually very happy to have your company. Uh, I okay. didn't sleep. Last night was the first night, I think, in my life that I, I could not sleep the whole night. I slept two hours. I woke up oh. at two. Woke up at two and never went back to sleep at all. That's something I do all the time. What, I've never what, what was wrong? Was something on your mind? That's usually was, why I can't sleep. I, I was, you know, I know all the tricks. I was like just scanning my mind going, is there anything there? Nope. Just sleep. Was not, <laughs> it was not Nothing's coming. Nothing's there. It was hmm. not coming. Uh-uh. So, so does that wreck your day the following day? Are you exhausted or can you pull through still? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, you seemed fine when I watched your sermon today. Which, yeah, I by like the that way, video, that little video thing you did. Wow, I love it. They're they're fun. They're easy, but you've been killing it. I love this week today, and um, I loved last week's as well. I was really moved by them. So, good yeah, job. I mean, both of them are the re- direct result of that guy I was talking about. Oh yeah, what well, was? Well, I guess we should welcome people so they know who they're listening to. Hi I everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the spiritual involution. Woo! You are. Where... I'm Katie. And I'm David. Right. And, and, and David our... is a, ser- uh, a a minister, or what do you go by, Reverend Minister? Well, until they start calling me Emperor, I'll go by Emperor. David. <laughs> <laughs> and so we are discussing his sermons that he's been doing, and I guess they are they have both been inspired by this. You said he's a Christian minister, right? Yes, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, I'm moved by him. I'm moved by the way he writes and I'm moved by the way he, he's coaching. How did you find him? Um, you know, it's one of those things. Somebody sent it and said, you need to see this. And I went, okay. And then I just sort of went down the rabbit hole. I just kept following links because each link was like, oh my God, I've been needing that answer. And then I found questions I didn't even know that I had. I, anyway. And what's his name? Did we say it already? His name is Gar- uh, Kerry, C-A-R-E-Y, Kerry Newhoff, N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. And he's a, he started a, a church in, in Canada, I believe in, in Ontario, um, a mega church. And his writings are cl- just for ministers, clearly. I mean, he's just talking about congregations and trouble in the church and how to manage how to manage difficulty and what the church should and should not do. And I find it to be extremely valuable at this time. Right. It's like having having a mentor. We've never met. I think (laughs) he's got several hundred thousand followers and uh, he doesn't know it, but he's, he's mentoring me without even knowing me. Well, I'm appreciating it because whatever is stirred in you is coming out really, really profound for me. And then, then I'm carrying that on. So, so it's all working out. It's all connected. I like it. Yes. I like it. And I wanted I to like touch it. on last week and then maybe go into this week, but I really liked, um, and I think this wasn't from, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Carrie. Man, Carrie. 
This was from Mark uh, Mark Manson, who you mentioned last week, where you uh, said, um, "Where you spend your attention is where you, where spend, you spend your, your life. life." And I really liked that because it's just, I mean, it's it's just such a poignant thing in this moment where we're drawn into social media and the news and all that that entails right now. Right? It's just a yeah. it was just a really glaring part of your sermon that. I made a little meme for and made sure to then do the video for because I wanted people to just, if, if they took anything away from your sermon, I wanted it to be that. Like, where are we spending our attention? And that is where our life is. And how do you, you want to spend your life? You know, we're only here for such a small amount of time. Um, where is that place that we're choosing to show up in? Um, uh-huh. How did that, how did you find him, Mark Manson? I found Mark Manson because one of the members of our center, um, uh, his name is Jim. And Jim is like, he's like a Yoda to me. He's a, he's a retired man and he used to teach yoga and meditate. No, let me, that's not true. Maybe he taught yoga. He used to teach meditation classes and he's a, he's a meditation master, I would say. Uh, he's also a finance guy. And so you would never expect, you would never expect the CPA, financial advisor, wealth manager to be so, so wise. Like he's just wise. And, and I told him that, uh, that I'm more and more disturbed by uh, news as I'm reading it. And that's when he sent me to that web's uh, uh, blog, Mark Manson. Why you should quit the news? Have we talked about this, Katie? Oh, I do. I don't know if we've talked about it. You've alluded to it, and I, I did should. read it. I read it. We, I remember a few weeks ago when you posted it. Um, it's like a it's like a forty five minute read, and I thought, who has time for that? And then by the time I got through it, I realized that's why so much of so much of our news is upsetting and scaring people and causing people to be frantic and and to continue following clickbait because. Because um, news should be slow and it should take a long time to read it because the stuff that really matters um, takes a long time. And most of the stuff that's getting our attention really doesn't matter in the long run. It's just clickbait. And clickbait is, uh, is the way that, that news agencies are making their, their, um, their profit, which I don't, by the way, I don't, I don't curse that at all fine it's a free economy i'm cool with that however however remember a long time ago we had to pay for the newspaper i remember i remember the sunday la times it was back then it was a dollar and that was a lot of money but you had to pay for the news except on tv but you did pay for it because you had to sit through commercials and with uh the new world of the internet where we now have um, decentralized communication, where everybody can post anything. Um, news agencies can't really get subscriptions for newspapers because who wants to pay for a newspaper if you can get info for free? So the way that they they make their money and stay in business is they sell advertisements. So they post headlines. It causes you to click on them, and that's how they make their money. The advertiser um, pays per click. The the online news agency, it doesn't really matter whether or not the story is valid or true or real or accurate because it doesn't matter whether you read it or not. They get paid just by the click. So 
what's going to get you to click? Something that upsets you, something that makes you angry, or something that scares you. That's right. why we keep clicking. So much of the stuff, it's, it's psychologically um, hijacking us. And, and then we think, we had actually think that that's the way the world really is. But it's not an accurate view of the world. Right. I think that's what that quote, where you spend your attention is where you spend your life, drew me yep. to see more. Like, for example, I went on a hike recently with the kids. It was up in, up in the mountains and it's called Chickadee Ridge. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was just really in the moment. These birds are flying into our hands, you know, feeding from us uh, the seeds that were in our hands. And, and there was this awareness of living life, like what is before me in this moment. And that when I'm home sometimes and I get, you know, seduced by the clickbait or by people's comments, I'm more seduced by people's comments. Like I love going in and just reading everyone's comments on different people's pages because it somehow fulfills some desire I have of knowing the pulse of like people. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but, you know, a half hour goes by and I'm like, where did I just what did I just do with my life? I, I just lost basically a half hour of time doing that. And I mean, sometimes I think there's some good things to learn and to, to look at, but being aware of it, I think is important and being aware of what you're about to click on or where you're going to spend your energy. And is it really something that is useful And it's funny, I was looking through my purse and I found this little journal that I kept and I think I took notes on it from church, but I don't, I didn't say who said this, but um, I wrote, there is nothing to battle or fight, only things to invite. And I thought about that kind of in regards to where you spend your attention um, is where you spend your life. We have we have the ability and we have the power to invite what we want and invite where our attention goes, right? We could pull our own reality in or be in the reality that is real. And that might be more to your point, right? Like we're, uh, we're given a reality on, on the social media or on the news, but what is it that we're, what is the real reality you live in? What are your day-to-day interactions with like real people, with your culture that's existing in your neighborhood, with your life, with your partner, Mauricio, with my children, with John, like that's reality. What does that feel like to you? Is it really what you're getting on the news? Are you feeling that, you know, I, I wonder how much that we're missing. I think with few exception, almost everybody lives in a bubble, in their own bubble. And I know we've used that word before, but I don't mean that kind of bubble. I just mean like, um, I, I live in, I live in uh, the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And the majority of folks, the majority of them, I would say are uh, progressive, liberal, uh, probably pushing towards the far liberal side, mostly. And I have a boat out in the Delta. And virtually everybody there that I run into are conservative, um, far conservative, and I'd say probably way far from center. And both of them are really, really lovely groups of people. And their view, their view doesn't include the other side. Like the other side, I don't, 
it may be too soon for me to really figure it out. Um, maybe I never will. But I'm beginning to have some suspicions about why that's so. And it's one of the things that draws me to the way you live your life and the, your style of communicating and you and your husband and your kids, how um, you are curious. That's a good word, Katie. That's a word. That you continue to be curious. And when you read something, you you also read a little bit more to see, is it factual, actual? Is there... Is there another side to it? Your, your curiosity, I think, makes you really likable. Really, really likable. Hmm. I've heard you make very few statements. Almost always, your comments are questions. Like, huh. Right. I feel like I'm building up a place where I will eventually make a statement, but I'm still meandering through what I believe is true, and I haven't quite dialed it in yet, and I'm like I'm listening to all these viewpoints and it's weird because it sounds like I'm being um, too, too fair when I say I see really good parts of the political agenda on the left. And then as I go into the conservative side and start listening to these really amazing uh, conservative scholars speak on what their view is. And I'm like, I see their view and I wonder why we can't connect but when I say that out loud, it, it appear, it's like people say to me, oh, you should run for politics because you're so good at skirting around these. I'm like, I'm not trying to skirt around. I, I'm honestly seeing these really great ideas in both camps. And it's almost like we can't combine. And, and, uh, and you know, I'm just like you, I'm trying to figure out sort of what, what resonates in my heart. And in my heart, in my soul of soul, I, I am drawn to the idea that we are foundationally souls on this planet, having that spiritual experience, the color of my skin, your sexuality, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. It's the soul. And so I'm drawn to um, viewpoints that, that get to that bottom. And I'm feeling like certain people that get to that bottom are actually more conservative, which is shocking to me because I have only been this diehard liberal my whole life. So I feel like I'm having an identity crisis myself because I'm like, Wow, was I just indoctrinated so much before that I could not see the reality of, and I'm not talking Trump politics, I'm talking like a conservative values belief system that's underneath Republic, it's not even a Republican thing, it's like an ideological thing. And uh, there's really some beautiful aspects to it. But it's being, it's being yucky, yucky, it's being like, created to seem like it's only a Trump versus the others and I don't even want to talk about Trump I don't think he deserves my attention at all I don't want to feed into him I just want us to get to a better place and I want us to be an America that we're proud of and I'm worried that um, what we're doing right now is we're dividing and being so divisive and we are losing like this bedrock of our of our nation that was really quite amazing even though it had problems and even though we're growing with it and we're trying to get better every year. But that idea of, um, you know, the Constitution, to me, it means something. And I don't think it was, you know, used right for a long time. But I don't think we should give up on it. And uh, the more I learned, like, you know, you said last week about the Soviet Union, when they tried to um, 
implement a Marxist ideology with socialists and how it created famine and all these atrocities. And I listened to a scholar today named Ayan Ali, and she's from Somalia. And she said, I just, I came from a country that was tribal. We fought each other over family names. It made no difference. We were constantly fighting. War was always happening. And I came to America and I couldn't believe what I saw. It's like a revolution has happened here based off of liberty. And yes, you have problems. Yes, you have issues. But please do not, do not get rid of it and go to tribalism, which is what I'm seeing right now. She's like, I see us reverting to what I moved from in Somalia. Like we're starting to divide into you're a woman, you're a man, you're black, you're white, you're heterosexual, you're transgender, you're this, you're that. We are creating these tribal entities of which we say we want to free ourselves from. But I'm worried we're actually driving it into our culture further and it's becoming an identity politics where we're losing freedoms and losing the liberty that allows us to thrive as unique individuals. Like we're not all just one thing. We're a a hodgepodge of a billion different identities, right? Did that make sense? I feel like I just went on this long it was it was part of the joy of being in your company because when you speak people tend to listen because even everything you just said wasn't definitive it was you were describing what's troubling you now this is probably maybe that's part of what's troubling right now is folks are not saying what's troubling for them they're saying that the other people are wrong and it's not the same thing did you get that? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's, it's not like for the spiritual involution. We're not looking, is that what you're saying? We're not, we're not looking inward. We're not taking our own self-accountability and, and, and putting action forward that we want to see. We're just, we're deflecting it onto other groups or other people. Is that what so, you're saying? So I posted a picture on, I, I, I put the, um, I put the, first off, my mom and dad, um, you know, they were ordinary, extraordinary people, or extraordinary, ordinary people. I think dad had, and my mother never finished 10th grade. Um, they, they never told me who they voted for. Never. They never had a discussion about it. I mean, I, I could pretty much guess that my parents uh, would have voted party line. But they never, ever talked about it. My, I remember my, my father once asking mom who you voted for. And she said, that's none of your business. It was so private and so sacred. Anyway, uh, being raised in the suburbs of East Los Angeles, um, when American holidays came out, you, you put the flag out. That's just what you did. And mom and dad, would, when uh, the national anthem would come on, they would weep. They would just be so moved, they would weep. And so I still have part of that. I mean, I'm an American. I'm born and raised here. I carry a U.S. passport. And there are things that I would like to alter, sure. But I'm not un-American. So I do what you do on a federal holiday on Independence Day. I posted a – I changed my Facebook cover page to, to um, Old Glory, red, white, and blue, that flag. It was amazing. Like I could hardly believe that Americans were saying the things they were saying. It's like, what? What? 
you know, like na- na- nasty. Some of it was just nasty. And yeah, I, and I, I, and just, I feel I was that just too. surprised. I think I know. I think I did read. Speaking of my voyeuristic reading of comments, I think I did read some of those comments. <laughs> I remember it was just you know, yesterday, I fished right? Them out. <laughs> um, and I, I too, I'm a little saddened by it, but yet I understand it. I get that we're frustrated. I get that we want change. I get that we're seeing sadness and things that are in our country that aren't ideal. But we have a chance here to improve. But I'm worried that the enemy is becoming the structure of America. And I'm worried because I don't know if we understand the alternatives, like we said about, I, uh, about Soviet Union or about I had uh, China. Same, I had the same thought. I, I didn't have the experience that people wanted, they wanted um, new leadership. I had the experience they want the system to go down. And I think we have to think about that uh, really hard because I, I just bought a book on Stalin because I was going to try to learn about this except it's bigger than the Bible. It arrived and I was like, oh my gosh, this will take me <laughs> 10 years to read. Um, but I think I, I'm becoming aware that I don't know enough history and I don't, I, in, a, in a, a naive sense, Marxism sounds amazing, but in reality, it seems like it's held a lot of problems. And to me, we have failed in the... Um, the biggest way that I think American, the American culture has failed is not up truly being a, um, a garter of the constitution fully. Like we say, we put out these great rules and I think we just never abided by them fully. You know, we never fully embraced them. There was always these little, little subclaws that allowed loopholes or things, but I mean, we are a nation that, that touts liberty and liberty is the state of being free. It's the, the freedom to do what you want. It's the freedom to live how you want. It's the freedom to be anything you want to be without judgment. If we could get there and that be the highest thing that we uphold, there's room for everybody. There is, there's room for everybody. But if we take that down and try to make everybody equal, I, I don't think that's the right way to go. I think it'll lead to a loss of liberty. And I don't well, tell think... Me what you mean. Tell me what you mean to make everybody equal. Um, I think you've broached this too about the idea of equal opportunity, opportunity versus equal outcome. And yes. um, the, if the idea is to make sure that there is this... Again, it's going to identity politics, making sure there's this many women in the field of chemistry, this many gay people in... Uh, engineering this many people and if if we start putting people in these I am um, little boxes of identity and not allowing passion to thrive whatever that individual sees as being their driving force you know I'm thinking of my children one of them loves dinosaurs the other one loves dance that is where I'm going to push them because I want to drive their passions if I'm just trying to live to uphold some odd quota of equality when I know each of us are not equal, not in the sense under, under the, the, the moral standards of you deserve liberty and love and happiness, but under the standards of, you know, David, you're a better speaker than I can. I can be, I, I could never get up on stage every Sunday and do what you do. I might be better basketball player than you. I might, you know, there, we each have our different strengths and weaknesses and we're blurring that out with the stamp of identity politics. 
And I don't think that is good. I don't think it's, it's, that's not really what I want. I just want everyone to live freely in their best way. And that might not be what I think should be. You know what I mean? I'm stumbling, but, and this is I'm kind following of, ev- I'm following every word you say. And this is also where I'm not sure I completely understand everything because on the Marxist front, I have heard that China and the Soviet Union um, are examples of Marxism that went wrong, but it's not necessarily Marxism itself that did that. It's these dictators or, or whatnot. And maybe there is a form of Marxism that can be great and, and amazing. I just, I don't, I still am playing with all these different ideas, but I don't want it to just happen without us really thinking about it. I feel like we're jumping into something that I don't know if we really know what we might be giving up. (laughs) This is where spirituality becomes very useful because no matter what happens, we're going to be okay. Um, when my mind starts to wander too far afield in either direction, left, right, up or down, east, west, north, south, inward or outward, um, when, when I start meandering like, a, like an auger that's just spinning around um, in some unknown territory, I, I uh, find when I sort of pull back and get back to my breathing, when I get back to my yoga, when I get back to my mala beads or even when I get back to my mother's rosary that I inherited. By the way, that's, that's one of my most valuable possessions, my mother's plastic rosary. Hmm. When, I, when I get back there, I have the experience that eh, this too will pass. It will pass. It'll alter because that's another thing, by the way. Uh, I, don't know if any, I don't know of any society that is static. It's a living organism. And, and the, the rules that were written a couple hundred years ago were not written for the things that we know now. So things are bound to alter. The, the important thing for me is, is to, to, when, things go, when things go wrong, I don't want to go too far with them because uh, there, are, there are enough people who spend their life energy being mad and being afraid, and, and maybe they need to be mad and afraid to, to make an impact. But I, I personally... Um, I find it makes my soul toxic. It uh, it destroys me, and I'm then useless for people. So right. I I can't I can't go too far down the dark holes. Yeah, I think I go down a little too deep sometimes. I don't know if it's fear or I'm 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 struggling or yearning for an understanding that I don't. I just see, I feel like there's something I'm not grasping yet. I'm not understanding it, and I I just am yearning for it to click. And I haven't, it's like I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to feel like I have something to grab onto. And even when I was listening to Ayan Ali today, and she asked, she was in Stanford, she's a, a, um, a Hoover Institute fellow, and she was talking to these students. And she asked them, who here has been in class and has been afraid or had to really think about whether or not they should say an opinion or ask a question because of their, they were feared that they would be seen as something they're not, or that the culture existing in this classroom is not um, conducive to allowing anybody to actually pose a question that's not in agreement with the status quo. And everyone raised their hand. Like, we are entering a part of America where it's, 
it's turning into you can voice your opinion if you have the right opinion. But that's sad to me because I love the idea of having dissenting opinions. That's like the most beautiful thing about America to me is that we can fight over ideas and we, there's nobody afraid to speak out with an unpopular opinion. That's how we grow. That's like creative force at its highest degree. And I see it being snuffed out right now. And I don't want that to happen. Huh. Well, there's, we're also in an age where there's just too much to understand. There's just too much. And everything, one little thing can alter everything. Have you ever seen the French film called Happenstance? No. Oh, my God. Did you see the movie Amelie? Yes. It's the same actress, Audrey Tutu, or Toto. She plays a, a woman. And basically, if, if the, the mother hadn't thrown the cookie out the window, if the sister hadn't lied, if the thief hadn't stolen, if the sand hadn't been blown in someone's face, if the blood, and they never would have met. So it's a movie that follows how throwing a cookie out of a window in one part of the country change someone's life in another part of the country <laughs> it is fascinating because a bird a bird eats the cookie and then the bird flies above to, to roost on a on an awning above a storefront and the storefront is like a photo booth a photo mat where and then a woman walks out she walks outside to uh she's got her pictures and she's looking at them and as she walks out the bird craps on her pictures so she runs back in the store to say can you redo these so the person redoing them looks at the picture and goes, oh, my God, that's my whoever. But all of this happens because of a cookie. Anyway, I'm telling you that. Wow, that was pretty random. Because <laughs> everything is so complex. And that's, that's why I really enjoy my time with you and the spiritual involution. Because through talking, I realize uh, I don't know enough to have a real opinion about anything. And I'm surrounded by people who have already declared the world a particular way and have declared a camp a particular way and have declared their enemies without ever having even met them. And I don't want that. I don't want to be one of those. I can't. Be. Yeah. Which brings us to your um, nine week summer school that you're putting on. Oh, yeah. Right. Which was yes. today in your sermon. Um, you asked people to join you, but that there's a cost, that there's a cost to join your summer school. And yeah, if you want to what's... be enrolled, you've <laughs> got to pay the tuition. And the tuition, the tuition is to, is to surrender your addiction to outrage. Temporarily, if you need to. Uh, unless you're running Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Okay. There are some things that outrage is required. I get that. What, is out, what does outrage mean exactly? Like, are you being driven by an emotion or is it just typing an opinion and not feeling fired up behind it? Or is it just not saying your opinion at all? Outrage. It's not so much how it shows up, by the way, because because my mother could have told us absolutely uh, irrevocably no. But she didn't have to be outraged, outraged for us to, to hear a no. We didn't have to be made the enemy to hear the no. She was just very clear. And my mother was always peaceful 
and even loving in delivering the news that none of us wanted. So it's possible still to not agree with something without being outraged. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a book called The Ladder of Inference. Not even a book, really. It's a, it's a, a business tool by, by Peter Senge, S-E-N-G-E, Peter Senge. And it comes from the Fifth Discipline Field book. And Peter Senge describes the ladder of inference and how so much of what we think is happening is based on a bunch of inference. Like it's, it's based on data that you made up, that you've added meaning, you've added cultural relevance, you have drawn conclusions, and then you have fired off protective mechanisms all based on inference without even asking questions to get to whether or not your data is accurate. And he said, if you want to know how high you are up on the ladder of inference, no, he said, indignation is a sure sign you are way up the ladder. If you're indignant, and that's another word for outrage, if you're outraged or indignant, you may be way high up on the ladder of inference. We might want to follow up on that some other day. That's a good thing to talk about. So when I look up indignant, it says... uh... Synonym is angry, affected with indignation, moved by mixed emotions of anger and scorn, provoked by something regarding an unjust, ungrateful, or unworthy. Provoked or exasperated. All right. Now, I'm using righteous indignation. That almost has a religious connotation on purpose because some people are pious in their outrage and indignation. You use the, what was the word you used? Uh, scorn. So scorn is shaming and wagging your finger. Like you are a bad person. That's indignation. Right. So, so calling people names, maybe directing it to uh, AKA other Would that, that would be in my view, that might be more because what I'm, I'm understanding in my own attempts to write opinions that I wish would take hold more than certain opinions that are, that I'm trying not to put it on an other. It's an opinion that is my own and it's for you to look at and either absorb or not, but to not start with the fact that there's diff- like, not that there's two camps and you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. That's one of the delightful things about Katie Burke. Katie Burke can teach me and even sway me to the to another side. You've had the power to alter my opinion on something simply by the way you treat me. And that's what summer school is about. And it looks like we are out of time. Yes. All right. Well, I will join summer school. Yeah, you're going to do the videos because they are magic. Oh, well, there's videos? Wait, I'm not sure. <laughs> How involved you're, is this? No, no, you're doing them. You're doing the one minute. Oh, or one minute. I thought you meant there was some sort of curriculum involved. Where no, I could watch no, videos. no, 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 okay. no. And then I, the no. Fact, <laughs> it's beautiful and super exciting. Thank All right. You. Well, have a good rest of the week and say hi to Marie. Thank you. And me. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and letting us join you. It's been a delight to be in your presence. Tell, tell John and the kids I said hello. I, I will. Bye, All Katie. Right. Bye.